Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here for the final hour. Don't forget, you can catch the show weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, and on demand anytime you want. Just search your podcast for Scout Fantasy Sports. Hit subscribe, and you'll get a notification whenever a new episode is uploaded. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88, and check out all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com, as our fantasy baseball draft kit is being littered with new articles each and every single day. I have a lot of look at different players, uh, profile up a look at Paul DeYoung, Jesus Aguiar, can the breakout from last year continue this year? A look at plenty of players that changed teams, whether it was trades or free agency, Yasiel Puig, Nelson Cruz, A.J. Pollock, and a lot more. So you can just head to the draft kit and check that out. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. He's in the NFBC Hall of Fame, earning a lot of lifetime winnings. He has already completed all the American League teams. You can get a free sample of the Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles. See for yourself. And he has completed the NL East, now going through the NL Central. The latest looks are at the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Milwaukee Brewers. So almost done upon completion there. And if you use the promo code RADIO, you can get uh, 70% off your first two months. So make sure you check it out now. And um, that's, uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, also, PGA, look at PGA uh, for the Genesis Open, uh, those outlooks that are now, as well as uh, fantasy NASCAR rankings for Daytona 500. In addition, ScoutDFS.com, where we cover you for NBA, NHL, PGA. Um, you can take a look uh, at the optimizers, Slack chat leading up to lineup block as well, in addition to VegasWhispers.com. So, a lot coming up in this hour. We'll be joined by Tim McLeod, Prospect 361, in the next segment to take a look at his draft. And then uh, I'll go over the night in NBA DFS uh, for tonight as we have a busy schedule in the NBA. The All-Star break is approaching. So about 11 games tonight, three tomorrow, and then a six-day break from the DFS slate with the All-Star break going on over the weekend. But uh, let's take a look now at this labor draft from yesterday. Uh, it's a 15-team mixed league, and we talked about some of it in the first hour. Uh, nothing surprising here to start the draft. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Christian Yelich goes at four. And Yelich is a player that we're kind of seeing go anywhere from the four to ten range. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a career season. Uh, we knew Yelich was a good player, and we knew that he would see an uptick in home runs moving to Milwaukee. Uh, we know how bad that park is in Miami. His career high was 21 home runs, and then he had 36 last year, batted 326 with 110 ribbies, 118 runs, and 22 stolen bases. So a career year for him, his home run of fly ball rate was 35%. I mean, he actually had 
a 23.5% fly ball rate last year. And that's always been the concern with Yelich is, okay, we'll see some power if he can elevate the ball more. But there's no way a 35% home run to fly ball rate will repeat. But the guy's a really good hitter. His hard hit rate was excellent. So there's a case to be made for him at four. I don't know if I would take him in that spot. I do have him in keeper league, so I hope for good things. like him a lot. I definitely think you'll see the power come down. I think more like 25 to 26 home runs. But I do think the counting stats will be good. And you'll get 15 to 20 stolen bases. And I think he is a three- 100 hitter right around the 300 mark so even with a little bit of pullback you're still getting a very high floor across the board so nolan arenado go at five and that's about as high as i've seen him go obviously arenado is dipping a little bit and part of it is because people want stolen bases uh for their first pick and we saw that arenado doesn't run he's a two to three steal guy but he's elite in four categories uh, 38 home runs last year, he has at least 38 homers in four straight years, at least 110 RBIs in four straight years, 97 runs in four straight years, and the average is always good. So he just gives you a high floor. And so I have no problem with it uh, at all. I mean, you can't knock a pick of Arenado. You're going to have to find a source of steals at some point during the draft. And this team did uh, getting uh, Segura in round four and NCR in round eight. Now, the problem with those two, when you couple them and Tim Anderson later on, so they did get some speed, uh, but obviously Segura and NCR they not big power guys. So uh, it's all how you piece it together. You can't just look at these things individually. You got to look at the roster collectively as a whole. So, you know, again, Arenado just gives you a, a real solid floor to every category. We know uh, when you're at home in Coors Field, uh, it gives you a big boost. Max Scherzer then went, and then J.D. Martinez, and again, Martinez is a guy that sometimes you see at 10 or 11, and I'll, I'll gladly take him in that spot. I know I'm not getting stolen bases there, but I'll figure it out. I mean, ideally, you would like steals with your first pick, but J.D. Martinez is another guy that helps uh, in four categories immensely. I mean, it's two straight seasons of at least 43 home runs, and even if he doesn't repeat the lofty numbers of last year, you know you're going to get uh, big-time numbers from him in that ballpark, in that lineup. Uh, guy's a pretty much a 300 hitter, 35, 40 home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBI. So I uh, can't really knock that pick. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to see in this draft is where would Francisco Lindor go? And he went ninth overall to Joe Sheehan. And, you know, we talked with Scott Pianowski yesterday from Yahoo, and he mentioned that, you know, Joe was seriously considering taking Lindor at nine. And this is one of those picks we're going to look back and either say, Wow, what a steal, what a value, because Lindor was someone that we saw consistently going third overall uh, in many drafts leading up to the injury uh, with the calf, which is putting him on the sidelines for seven to nine weeks. So there's a potential he's ready for opening day, but if not, maybe a week or two. And you know, there is concern, Does he? how much does he run when he returns? Because that's a big part of his value. He had a career-high 25 stolen bases last year. So I think people are penciling in 20. Uh, even hitting leadoff. Uh, he, he didn't hit leadoff every game, I don't think. I think he did hit uh, two or three at times, but he still had 92 ribbies, 129 runs, uh, 277. So just a, a five-category guy. Shortstop is a deep position, but uh, I probably would consider him at the end of the first round, maybe on the turn. I don't think I'd take him nine at this point. You know, there's always some injuries that are going to find you at some point during the season and to go into the year with someone that you know is hurt 
could be a little bit of an issue. And, you know, how much does he run early on, especially in April when he returns and has to play a lot of games in Cleveland where it's really cold or on the East Coast? You know, that that is a concern for sure. And he could be limited on the base pass for a while. Uh, so you hope that he can get 15 to 20 steals. So a lot of times with these players that are injured, sometimes you get real value and other times uh, it hurts. So right now uh, I would not take Lindor at nine. Trey Turner falls to 10. Uh, I'm okay with Turner in that spot. I don't like him real early. I understand the appeal for him because, you know, he gets a ton of stolen bases. Uh, he had 19 home runs last year. That was a career high in 162 games. That's the other thing, too. When you look at some numbers, look at how many games played. He played in every game. The likelihood of that repeating is very slim, so take that into account. Again, good player. My problem with him is the low RBIs. You know, you could say it's offset by the stolen bases, uh, but if you look at the majority of RBIs, they're from the 3-5 to five spot in the order, and most of those guys go in the first three rounds. So I I want to get a guy in the first round that I can bank 100 RBIs if possible. So that's the problem for me with Turner. And, yes, the speed is good. He's going to score runs. And maybe we see a little bit more power. Um, you know, he doesn't hit too many fly balls. And he actually doesn't hit a lot of line drives either. And it's not like he has a great hard hit rate. So he's very dependent on the stolen base. And they'll be there. So if you are... I guess it makes more sense to me in an overall contest. Uh, I can see the argument for it, but uh, Turner to me is someone where I would start thinking about him is in this range uh, for sure. The second pitcher off the board was Jacob deGrom uh, to Rudy Gamble, who will join us on the show tomorrow. Uh, Rudy's a very good player. Uh, I have a rivalry with him in Mixed League Tout Wars where uh, the last four years we each have won two titles. So I had won two in a row. Rudy won the last two. Uh, and it came down to the last weekend of the season last year where he edged me out. So it'll be fun talking to him, good player, and always uh, enjoy competing with him. And I know I'm uh, going to get a tough battle to uh, try and, and win again this year with Rudy in that league. We saw Chris Sale at 13, and look, the argument for Sale is it's easy to take him because he's one of the most dominant stars. The problem is his health. We saw the velocity dip towards the end of last year. He missed some time. He only threw 158 innings. Those 158 innings, though, were absolutely dominant. 2.11 ERA, a strikeout percentage of 38.4%, 5.5% walk rate. So when he's on the mound, you know what you're getting. Uh, the question is how healthy is he is going into the year. Right now, uh, until I see better signs in the spring, I'm not going to take him there at the end of the first round. So Aaron Judge go on the turn at pick 15, and uh, I, I was down on Judge last year. Uh, I wanted to see him repeat again uh, because a lot of the numbers in 2017 showed me that, okay, I, I don't think he's going to do this again. I think he'll be good, but not take him in the first round. And I don't know if we got the answer uh, because he only played in 112 games. But those 112 games are really good. Uh, even with a – I mean, he probably – he I don't think he would have exceeded those numbers, but he would have you know come pretty close. So he was very good once again. Uh, the average was 278. He had 27 homers, 67 ribbies, 77 runs in 112 games, and he stole six bases. He had nine steals two years ago, so he's not a zero in that category. I mean, there is a possibility he gets to 10. And, yes, he does strike out a lot, but he also walks a lot. And he hits the ball real hard. You know, I, I'm, I like where Judge is going right now. I mean, if you can get it, I've got it. You can get him in the second round of some league. 
And you can make a justification for him being first-round pick. And I haven't seen it in many leagues, but he goes uh, 15 here. And basically, you know, on the turn with Judge and Goldschmidt. But but no problem uh, taking Judge in that spot there at all. Two guys that really slipped in this draft that I was uh, a little surprised about. And uh, maybe it's a case of they don't have homes. Manny Machado goes 22 overall. And I think that's a steal. I know we don't know where Manny Machado is going to be this upcoming year. And there has been some talk of potentially San Diego in the White Sox. And obviously that's not ideal for for the lineup that he's in and the counting stats. Uh, Obviously San Diego, not a great hitters park. Chicago, young team uh, that's kind of looking at the next couple years uh, to build their team up as they have some young prospects coming up. But Machado, you know, has been pretty consistent over the years. And right now has that shortstop eligibility. In some leagues, he does have third base eligibility as well. This league is minimum 20 games. So Machado is uh, only shortstop in this one. And, you know, this is a case, too, of sometimes where you take the best player on the board. Uh, so Joe Sheehan took Lindor a shortstop in the first round and came back with another shortstop in Machado. Now, ideally, I don't like to do that. But if you feel that he's the best player on the board or best value, you just do it and you figure it out the rest of the way. Uh, and I got to say, even though I wouldn't have taken Lindor, I would have absolutely taken Machado in that spot uh, for sure. And I, I, I'm assuming people are just scared because they don't know where Machado is going to land and they think that could shift his value. But uh, he's another guy that can help in five categories. We've seen him run uh, more of the you know, 14 steals last year, nine, two years ago. He had that one year where he didn't have any, where he was dealing with a bad knee, but he also stole 20 in 2015. Uh, maybe the team context can play a part in that, but if that guy, if Machado lands in Philly, I mean that's going to be a bargain there. So I was surprised because I'm willing to take Machado in the first round. Uh, so that's as late as I've seen him go, and that's why you have to be flexible because I'm sure going into this draft, that was not the plan for Joe. If if you would have told him, hey, you're going to come out of the first two rounds with Lindor and Machado, he'd probably no way, it's not going to happen. And that's where the flexibility is key because I see a lot of people ask questions. Okay, well, this is what I'm going to do in my first three rounds. I'm going to go uh, two bats and a pitcher, or I'm going to go. You can have that blueprint going in, but you have to be prepared for what is thrown your way in a draft. And, you know, some of these picks are surprising to me. I didn't think that Machado would fall that far. You know, we talked about Trevor Bauer in the uh, previous segment. I didn't think Bauer would go before Garrett Cole and Aranola. You don't know what other people are going to think. You can stare at an ADP. A different draft all day long. That doesn't mean that is going to happen in your draft. Everyone has different perceptions, and depending on where they pick, they're going to make decisions that they think that is best suited for them. So you have to be prepared for anything that's thrown your way. So I really like the value on Machado there at 22. And then we don't see Bryce Harper go until uh, pick uh, 27. I mean, that was surprising too. Uh, that's as far as I've seen Harper fall. And I understand the negativity on Harper. Trust me, I've owned him. I've been frustrated too. Uh, I feel better about him in the second round. Uh, I've taken him, you know, early second round. Uh, he's 26 years old. And yeah, you can say, well, he's all over the place with his numbers. And it's true. I mean, he's hit under 252 of the last three years. You don't want that from a guy you're taking in the first round. Uh, he's hit 30 plus home runs twice. He's driven in 100 runs one time. That was last year. The stolen bases have kind of been all over the place. The last four years, 6, 21, 4, 13. So, like, who is this guy? Does he have the ability to finish as a top five player? Yes. 
We saw a monster year in 2015. We've seen injuries. We've seen inconsistency. Uh, but he still has the ability to produce. As bad as he was last year for stretches, you know, he still had 34, 100, 103 runs, 13 steals, and 249. Now, OBP league certainly much better. I mean, if this is an OBP league, you would see him go higher. His career OBP is 388, uh, and he's topped 400 a couple of times. So different in that format. And we saw him walk a ton last year, a lot more than the previous years. So uh, obviously we still don't know where he's going to be, but Harper really fell far in this draft. I was surprised to see him go as late as he did. And uh, I don't think you're going to see that in any other draft. And I guess part of it too is some of the pitchers were pushed up the draft board. But this draft certainly looked a lot different, especially in the first two rounds, than a lot of drafts that I have seen a lot of draft champions leagues that have been a part of. So it's just another lesson that, you know, you think you know what's going to happen going into a draft, but there are a lot of surprises and curveballs thrown your way. And the key is to just be flexible, to be prepared. And, you know, don't set yourself on a certain player. Don't sit there. And if your guy has taken a pick or two before, don't sit there, cry and panic. You got to move on to the next plan. And that's why you have to have an idea where you're picking of a few guys in this way if the first two are taken you have number three ready and also to go especially you're in a draft with the clock when we return i'll be joined by tim mcleod prospect 361 we'll break down his labor draft when we return scout fantasy sports here on the fantasy sports radio network LeBron said it himself. If we make the playoffs, we do. If we don't, we don't. Can you imagine those words coming out of Tom Brady's mouth? So, Tom, if you get, you guys are on the fence in the playoffs, well, you know, hey. Tom Brady would say, I'll give you $3 million if you kill someone to get us in right now. That's the type of uh, greatest of all time talk that you want. Yep. That's what Michael Jordan used to say. Eh, if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. I don't want to hear it ever again. Ever. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Special technique of shadow boxing. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. 
Don't forget, check out ScoutFantasySports.com. we got the Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit locked and loaded and a lot more content to come as well. Use the promo code RADIO, get 70% off your first month. Joining me now, it is Tim McLeod, Prospect 361. Tim, what's going on? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot. I'm just trying to re- recover from a very hectic evening last night. A lot of fun, but very hectic. What was so hectic about it? Well, we happened to have a draft last night. Started off the 2019 season with the mixed labor draft last night, and it was a blast. It really was. Uh, so you had the number two pick overall, so I'm pretty sure you knew what you were going to get. You were hoping probably Trout would fall. If not, you knew you would get Mookie Betts. But overall, uh, considering your first draft of the season, did it go as expected, better than you thought? What were your what were overall reviews on the draft from last night for yourself? Yeah, I was reasonably happy. Um, I, I made a decision around round 12 that uh, – Definitely affected my future in a big way, and I knew it would, but I rolled the dice on Garrett Hampson uh, in round 11, knowing that it would cost me some starting pitching, and sure enough, it did. What do you see for Hampson this year? Do you think that he has the second-base job locked up? We know he's got a lot of speed. It's just Colorado does some strange things at times that that doesn't make sense, and they seem averse uh, to playing some of their young players. So I'm assuming you're taking him in this spot. You're pretty confident that he's going to have that job. Yeah, I'm very confident that he's going to have it to uh, to break camp. I think it's going to be his to lose. And when you look at his minor league history, it's very strong. So I'm very bullish on Hampson in the early teen rounds. And, you know, you know, Colorado definitely does some odd things, but I'm hoping that at least they're consistent and continue to do those odd things with Ryan McMahon and keep him away from second base. Uh, second round, you took Whit, Whit Merrifield. I'm not a big fan of Merrifield this year. I don't like the pr- price. Convince me why I'm wrong. Well, I, I think you're going to see 10 to 12 home runs, and I think easily you're going to see 35 stolen bases. And... Uh, with a decent batting average. When you combine that with bets, the two of them add up to big numbers. Yeah, I was looking at, you know, some of the other stolen base options, and I just decided that uh, Merrifield was going to give me the most bang for my buck and probably the safest of the group of stolen base threats in the next round. Uh, Round three, you followed up with Walker Bueller, and I think maybe some people who haven't been paying attention or just looking at a draft board for the first time are saying, wow, Walker Bueller ahead of Clayton Kershaw. What's going on there? I have seen it quite a bit. Uh, First, uh, Walker Bueller, uh, how high are you on him? How many innings do we expect? And is Kershaw a pitcher that you are weary of for this year? Yeah, I think they're going to take the gloves off this year for Bueller. You know, a, a deciding moment for me on Bueller was watching him in the playoffs last year, Adam. Uh, the this, this stuff is legit. Uh, the big concern might be innings, but uh, like I said, I think they're going to take the gloves off. I think you're looking at 180 innings out of Bueller. Uh, that puts him up with probably the top 10%, 15% in the game. I think there's a new ace in Los Angeles, and – he might not have the title yet, but uh, the number one pitcher for me or the Dodgers isn't Clayton, uh, isn't Clayton Kershaw anymore. Would you take Kershaw this year? Does it depend on where the, the price is? Are you worried about his health? I mean, obviously, we've seen 
You know, the velocity was down last year in the second half. He's had this back injury. You know, when he has been on the mound, the numbers are still pretty good. So is Kershaw an avoid for you, or it depends on what the price tag is? Um, I don't think the price tag will ever get to the level where uh, he'll still be available for me. Um, it's a disc issue. He's got a back problem, and it hasn't been corrected. So I think uh, looking at that, how can you expect much more as far as workload than what he's done in the past couple of years? And with that in mind, 150, 160 innings just isn't enough for me. Talking to Tim McLeod from Prospect 361, going over his, his mixed league labor draft from last night. It's a 15-team league, 29 rounds. Round four, you took Mike Clevenger. Clevenger was a guy I had on a lot of teams last year, getting him in the double-digit rounds. Could you, you could see that if he just cut down on the walks a little bit, you know, he had a, a bigger upside, and we did see that from Clevenger. Uh, what's the next step for him uh, to, to get even better? Uh, well, hey, I don't know if there is one, Adam, but I'm very, very happy with where he is uh, slotted into drafts. I think you're looking at 200-plus strikeout uh, potential. And, you know, he's now reduced the walks. You know, he could reduce them a bit further. But uh, I'm very happy with him as a number two this year. I think he's going to deliver them and uh, maintain at least what, uh, what he did last year. Michael Conforto in round five. Uh, Conforto last year got off to a slow start. He was coming off shoulder surgery and really finished strong uh, down the stretch and wound up with uh, pretty good numbers outside of the batting average. But again, a lot of that was uh, the early struggles. But he wound up with 28 homers, 82 RBIs. And I think a lot of people might be surprised by that. And the year before, he had 27 homers and 109 RBIs. Uh, What are the expectations for Conforto this year? You obviously seem pretty high on him to take him in round five. Yeah, I do. And I also like the fact that I managed to get three outfielders early because Merrifield qualifies in the outfield. I'm expecting 35-100 with about a 260-265 batting average out of Conforto. Uh, I think he's going to have a monster year. He's not heading into the spring with that shoulder, rehabbing off the shoulder injury. So a healthy Conforto, I think, has the potential to be a monster. As a Mets fan, I hope you are right. Well, uh, I was going to say, and I did need to have at least one, one Mets player on my team. He's the, he's the one that I want. Him and Ahmed Rosario, who I didn't get. Yeah, Rosario seems to be getting uh, some buzz as well. He had a good second half, and we know he can rack up the steal. So if you're looking for that stolen bases in a middle infield position, he's going to be a pretty appealing target this year in drafts. Uh, Matt Olson in round six. I had Olsen in a couple leagues last year, and, uh, you know, he was okay. Uh, I think mm-hmm. – I think – you know, we all do this. Oh, well, 24 homers in 59 games. He's going to hit 40-something. And we obviously know that's not going to happen. I didn't expect it to. But 29-84, 247, uh, not a bad year. Maybe we expected a little bit more power. But uh, was this a case of you expect Olsen to get better this year? Or was this also first base is thin? I don't know if people who haven't drafted yet don't realize that first base is a thin position this year. Yeah, first base is thinner than Twiggy in her heyday, Adam. <laughs> it is really, really lean. You know, I, I think uh, when it comes to Olsen, I think uh, the bar might have been set a little high for a younger player last year. And uh, I, I think he's got the potential to hit that 40 home runs this year. At least, at least I'm penciling him in for a minimum of 30. 
if he hits 40, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm very, very bullish on the kid. And I think he, uh, you know, hey, he was a young player last year. The bar was high. I think, uh, I think he's going to deliver on that potential this year. Uh, round seven, Roberto Osuna, and, you know, obviously on a good team closing. Uh, Jerickson Profer in round eight. Uh, I know Dr. Roto will pick behind you in the first hour was talking about how he was hoping Profar could make it back to him in round nine, but I told him that's generally where you're seeing Profar go. He's been a name that's been around for a while, and finally last year showed some pop and some speed. Uh, how do you think the move to Oakland affects him this year? I don't really think it's going to affect him all, all that uh, all that much. You know, we've seen players like Stephen Piscotti uh, hit a fair number of home runs. Uh, Chris Davis, now granted, he's a monster. He, he can hit them out of the park. I'm not. Uh, I'm not really putting much into the park factor. What I really love about Profar is the fact that right now he qualifies at first shortstop and third, and soon to be second base. So combined with the skills, having that position flexibility is rather big for me. Yeah, and especially in the deeper format, you know you're going to hit with some injuries. So it definitely is a positive thing there with Profar. Round nine, you took your second closer in Jose Leclerc. Was that part of the plan? Did you want to try and get two closers in the first nine, ten rounds? Or was this just a case of best player on the board at that point for you? Well, I didn't really like the starting pitching options that I saw going off the board in the next in the next round or two. I, I'm not overly enamored with Chris Archer, Dallas Keuchel, Kyle Hendricks. So, um I like trying to shore up uh, my closer position if I can. And this year, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of closers I don't really want to deal with. And I I think my combination of Asuna and Leclerc uh, should be solid for the whole year. I don't think they're looking over their shoulder and in any any danger of losing their job. So, um, yeah, it was a combination of plan and just the lack of availability of the other players I was looking at. Talking to Tim McLeod from Prospect 361, going over his mixed league labor draft from last night. Round 12, Josh James of the Astros certainly has an intriguing arm. Probably, I would think, going to be in the rotation as of right now. Uh, what do you like about James for this upcoming season? Well, you, you got you to gotta be, be liking those, uh, the strikeout potential. Uh, you really do. I was hoping that one of Shane Bieber or... Uh, uh, I, Pavetta was a long shot, but I was really hoping for B, for Bieber, but he went two picks before me. And looking at the rest of the uh, pitchers on the on the board, uh, I think James has his highest strikeout potential pretty well as anybody other than John Gray, and I'm not buying into Colorado pitchers, Adam. Uh, John Gray has burned me, man, the last couple of years. So, uh, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see if my lesson is learned this year. I haven't taken them yet, so I've stayed away from that. Uh, Good for you. Yeah, so far. Uh, <laughs> Cedric, Cedric Mullins, interesting pick in, in round 14. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, has a little pop and a, lot of, and a little speed for uh, the Orioles this year. Thoughts on Mullins? Yeah, I like Mullins a lot. I, I could see the potential for 15 home runs, 15 to 20 stolen bases. We didn't see the numbers last year, but the minor league history sort of supports uh, 15 to 20 bases. And the other thing I like is he's going to be hitting at the top of the lineup. Now, granted, it's not a great lineup, but he's going to be up top. And I don't think he's looking over his, over his shoulder at anybody. I think the job's his. And 
when you look at a risk reward pick, uh, I like the rewards there. You took Hyunjin Ryu in round 15. Do you know offhand how old he is without looking it up? Uh, somewhere between 24 and 47. Well, that's a good no, guess. <laughs> 32, I'll say. Okay, close. He's 31. Like uh, The other day I was thinking, I'm like, eh, he feels like he's going to be 32 in March. So uh, you probably right. have the birthday card on file getting ready to send to him. Uh, but I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, Ryu feels like he's 34, 35. And I looked it up because I was in a, a draft, and I'm, I was like, I might take him here. I was like, wow, 31, 32, it just because he's been hurt so much. Now, when he was on the mound last year, he was dominant. It was only 82 in a third inning. So I think a lot of people, their mentality is, well, he's always hurt. He's not going to pitch that much. I don't want him. So how do you when, you, when you take Ryu, what's the strategy here of how you're dealing with him? Well, I'm hoping that he can repeat his second half and stay healthy. Uh, you know, I, it, it was a shoulder injury, and it took a long time for him to get back yeah. into the game. Hopefully he stays in the game, and if he does, it, it's, I believe, a real bargain at that spot in the draft. But you're definitely right, Adam. Uh, people, I think, look at him as being older, hurt all the time, and you know, he's had some very, very good years in Los Angeles. And if he's at 100% health-wise, uh, like I said, I think that could be a huge bargain. Yeah, and I think if I told you today he'll pitch 140 innings this year, I think you'd sign up for that right away, right? Uh, I already have, yep. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Around 16, Fernando Tatis Jr., when do you think he'll be up? Uh, I think he'll be up a couple months into the season. But one of the rules... Uh, associated with labor is that once you're finished the draft, you can't pick up any prospects until they make it to the big leagues, Adam. So if you want to speculate on prospects, uh, you best ought to do it at the actual draft or wait to fight it out with 14 other guys. And last year I had a lot of good fortune picking up Walker Bueller and Glaber Torres early. So I want to get at least one top tier player a little bit early, so I'm not fighting uh, in the fab battles. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I think a lot of people will see that, and they'll be like, round 16 seems early, but uh, you obviously state your case on why you did it, and certainly worked out with the uh, two you mentioned last year. I did get Walker Bueller in Tout Wars, like, round mm. 26, and uh, that obviously was a really uh, good pick there. So uh, we're seeing these young players come up and have a quick impact. Uh, Tuki Toussaint uh, for the Braves in round 17, what do you see his role being for them this year? Um, I think he's going to make the rotation, and it'll all be about uh, how, how well he pitches. Can he hold it? And based on what, what I saw towards the end of the last year, I think the kid's got uh, all the skills in the world, and I'm, I'm betting on him holding down a job uh, in Atlanta this year, the fifth starter. You know, a lot of people, I think, liked Josh Bell last year. There was some buzz for him and really didn't, have a huge year. You take him here in round 18. Uh, we only saw 12 home runs from uh, last year after he had 26 in 2017. So it was a case of he couldn't build on that. Uh, who is the real Josh Bell, and what are your expectations for him? Um, I think the real Josh Bell is somewhere in between. If you take a look at his underlying stats from last year, they were actually better uh, than a lot of the stats in that 26 homer year. So I don't think there's I don't think there's any reason that he can't bounce back. 
And when you get into round 18, 19, what's the risk factor? Very low, I would say. Right, and a lot of these picks we know sometimes don't work out. You wind up cutting them or, or, or going to the waiver wire to replace them. Of your uh, final few picks, who are the one to two that you really like the most that you think are a little undervalued? Um, Kristen Stewart in Detroit. The kid has done absolutely nothing but mash at the minor league level, and he's going to get an opportunity if healthy uh, in Detroit. And the uh, the other player that I think should be on the radar came over from Korea, Merrill Kelly. I got him in round 27. Uh, I think he's going to slot into the Diamondbacks rotation. Uh, he pitched well in Korea. Didn't look the same like the same pitcher as when he went over there. So if you're looking for a, a long shot sort of pitcher, I think Kelly's intriguing. Yes, and I think you mentioned him last time we had you on as well. And I know you follow the Japanese-Korean leagues very closely, so uh, we have to... Follow what you say since you uh, have done some in-depth analyzation on these players. But, Tim, I want to thank you for the time. Uh, We will talk to you soon, and good luck this season in labor. And are you back in Towers Mixed League again this year? Well, you know what, Adam? Uh, I got got to try and get number two and catch up up with a couple of my other friends in tow. So I am really looking forward to being back in the mixed draft and playing the game with you this year. All right, look forward to that. That'll be March 5th. Tim, thanks a lot for the time, and we'll talk again soon. Yes, thanks, Adam. Be well. When we return, we'll wrap up the show taking a look at the night in the NBA DFS. A lot of games tonight, 11. We'll break it down. When we return, it is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-625-4922. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Make it rain. Antonio Brown was, I want to be paid. What is it now? Because now that you've got the money, now you're asking for a trade that you really don't control over. And I know there's a lot of people courting him on social media. A lot of people going, yeah, come and play with me. Do you really want Antonio Brown in that locker room? Seriously? I mean, yes, he might make your receiving core better. I get that. But is he worth the aggravation that comes with him? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. 
It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here till 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com for our fire fantasy baseball draft kit. Tons of great content and a lot more to come. Use the promo code RADIO. Get 70% off your first two months. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head to head and three ball betting tools, PGA pro tip subscriber chat and more. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on go premium, choose golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's dailyroto.com. Click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Time to take a look at the NBA DFS slate for tonight. Plenty of games uh, to take a look at tonight. So, uh, again, pay attention to the last-minute news. I've already some seen players that were listed out that are now playing. I mean, Seti Osman was ruled out yesterday, and now it looks like he's going to play. So we'll see if he starts. Uh, looks like Antti Zizek as well. He's available to play against the Nets after not playing. So uh, just pay attention to all the last-minute news. You know, I always say this segment is kind of just a, the blueprint to get the day started. Things can quickly change. And, you know, Mike Conley was ruled out yesterday. Uh, we didn't know that during this show. So that changed a little bit and opened up some value last night. So, again, just pay attention. We have lineup lock today, 7 p.m. Eastern. Biggest total for the uh, Nets are at the Cavs, uh, 223.5. Nets favored by 8. Uh, uh, Karooks is out for the Nets. Damari Carroll is probable. So, obviously, it's a great matchup for the Nets. But as I've mentioned many times, the Nets are pretty healthy right now. And they have a lot of options in deep rotation. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, you can look at him in tournaments. He's always under-owned, and he had a really good game the other night. He's 85 on DK, 9 on FanDuel. You will get him at low ownership, so he's a play. Jared Allen, it's a good matchup. I just worry about the minutes. It's 5 on DK. He's okay. I don't think he'll be a primary target. Um, I want to see who starts for the Nets tonight. Uh, If Carroll starts, I think he could be in play at 46 on DK, 5 on FanDuel. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's really cheap at 39 on DK, 4,000 on FanDuel. Joe Harris can get hot, but I don't want to rely on the shooting. So pretty much it's Russell in tournaments, and then I want to see who else starts for the Nets. Even though the matchup is great, they just have like 9, 10 guys that play consistently, and this uh, made it more difficult to use a lot of Nets uh, on a given night. Uh, Again, for the Cavs, uh, Kevin Love's not going to play on the back-to-back. Tristan Thompson is out. I mean, wait, Cleveland did not play last night, two nights ago, but they uh, are going to take it easy with Love, who's been back for two games now. So, again, Seti Osman is going to play. I don't know if he's going to start. Anthony Zizek, the same thing. So, Osman was balling out before he got hurt. Uh, He was someone that I was using quite a bit. Uh, But, again, I want to see if there's a minutes limit uh, before I decide whether I'm going to play him. Uh, Colin Stexton has been playing well, and he's still pretty cheap. 49 on DK, 55 on Fandle. Doesn't have a huge upside. Think better for cash. Uh, Larry Nance, like again, I've uh, been using him quite a bit lately. We know we like our bigs against Nets. Uh, even if Zizek plays, I don't think it takes away too much from him. Nance has been playing uh, pretty good minutes lately. So he's 67 on DK, 76 on FanDuel. And uh, 
that's pretty much about it. Jordan Clarkson's okay. He burned me the other night against the Knicks. Didn't have a big game, but you know he's going to play 20 to 32 off the bench. Uh, but certainly better plays on the slate than what we see tonight. Uh, Milwaukee, they are in Indiana, Indiana, and Indiana's been playing very well lately. They haven't really played great teams, but they've been uh, playing well. Bucks are favored by four and a half. Vegas total is 219. Meritich will still be out for the Bucks. Uh, not a great matchup here against uh, Indiana. Uh, uh, they don't play at a high pace. So really the only guy that I'm looking at tonight is Giannis. The matchup doesn't matter. And I think here what you hope, uh, the game stays competitive. If this is a close game, you know, you could see Giannis play 35 to 37 minutes tonight. And we've seen many games this year where he's only playing 30, 32 because of the blowout. So Giannis definitely in play tonight, 11-2 on DK, 11-9 on FanDuel. For Indiana, uh, again, for them, not it's not a great matchup either. Uh They've done a nice job without Victor Oladipo. It's crazy to think, you know, they've, they've won six in a row. I always take a look at Miles Turner in uh, tournaments for sure, and he's a pretty good price on DK at six. He's 64 on FanDuel. Um, Bogdanovic has been playing well, especially with Oladipo down, but not a great spot here for him tonight. So, uh, again, a game where I probably will not have too much exposure to outside of Giannis and maybe Turner in some tournaments. The Celtics, with a big win yesterday over the Sixers without Kyrie Irving, they return home tonight. They were on the road. They are favored by four over Detroit. The Vegas total is 209.5 for the Pistons. Really only play two guys. It's Drummond and Griffin. Uh, Drummond's the better price on DraftKings at 9,100. He's 10-8 on FanDuel for Blake. Uh, Griffin, 92 on Fandle, 89 on DK. More tournament plays. Don't think I would use them in cash. You got to hope that they keep this game close. Um, Reggie Jackson, I consider at times, but don't like him tonight. Uh, so really only two guys for Detroit. For Boston, Kyrie Irving is out. Aaron Bain still out. And Terry Rozier is doubtful with an illness. So uh, that's going to be interesting because that's going to open up some value here for the Celtics. I think a lot of people will look at Marcus Smart expecting him to probably run the point a little bit. He's 48 on DK, 54 on FanDuel. Um, I'm probably not going to use him. I know he's had a couple of big games, but I think the ownership might be a little bit higher than I like. Um, So I'd rather look at elsewhere. I think Jason Tatum's in play. He exploded last night. 61 on DK, 72 on FanDuel. Uh, Jalen Brown could be in the starting lineup. He's 51 on DK, 52 on Vandal. Marcus Morris usually sees a nice usage bump without uh, Kyrie on the floor. And he was pretty good last night. So he's at a good price point. Gordon Hayward had a good game last night. He's 48 on DK, 53 on Vandal. So I think in cash, a lot of people are probably going to have a few Celtics. Uh, So I'll definitely look at a a couple Celtics, depending on how I deploy my lineup. Uh, I might mix and match. Uh, how Al Horford also in play as well, 62 on DK, 75 on Fandle. So I think you have a lot of different options to go to for the Celtics tonight, especially if Terry Rozier is out. Philadelphia coming off that loss at home against the Celtics last night. They traveled to New York to take on the Knicks at the Garden. Sixers favored by nine. Vegas total is 222.5. And, and again, it's hard for me to play the Sixers uh, with Tobias Harris there now. It's a great matchup against the Knicks, but like none of these guys really explode and put up big numbers anymore. Uh, Joel Embiid, again, my favorite play. Uh, I liked him yesterday, but as the night went on and some of the 
value opened up. I didn't actually did not play Embiid last night, and that turned out to be uh, pretty good. Uh, he had a good game, but you know didn't go off to really separate you from everyone else. So we haven't seen big games from Ben Simmons lately. So Embiid is really the only guy here, and he's ten six on DK and eleven six on Vandal, and. Even then, I don't know how much I'll have, but it's a great matchup against the Knicks. He should eat on the boards. For the Knicks, they have lost 17 games in a row. At some point, they got to win, right? I don't know if it's here tonight. Dennis Smith, obviously, has been playing very well, um, and he's had a lot of high ownership because he's played big minutes. Uh, don't love him tonight. Uh, he's 63 on DK, 72 on Fanduel. I mean, Kevin Knox is cheap. 49 on DK, 53 on FanDuel. Um, so not really looking at much Knicks exposure tonight. Washington in Toronto. Vegas total is 10. Toronto, uh, the spread, Raptors favored by 10. Vegas total 232. Uh, we'll see if Tomas Sadoransky plays. He was out uh, with some personal issues the previous game, and we did see Chase on Randall in that game, and it did not work out well. So uh, I got burned uh using him the other night. So we'll not go back to him, even if Sadoransky is out. Uh, Bradley Bill always in play. Uh, he's 87 on DK, 97 on FanDuel. Uh, I really don't like much else. I, I'm just worried, you know, can the can they keep this game competitive? Uh, but Kawhi Leonard is questionable. So if he's out, you know, that certainly maybe makes the game a little bit closer. Uh, for the Raptors, uh, I think it really depends on what happens with Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, pretty much everyone else in the offense is going to get a boost if he's out. Uh, I would like Serge Ibaka, especially if Leonard's out. He's 61 on DK, 69 on Fandle. Uh Siakam would see a boost as well, 65 on DK, 68 on Fandle. Uh Lowry does see a, a jump in usage rate without Leonard on the floor, but you know I don't love his price. So uh, that's something that you have to pay attention to. Uh, Kawhi Leonard news will definitely be... A big part of what we do on this slate tonight because it would open up some value for the Raptors. The Rockets are in Minnesota, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the, the Rockets favored by four. The Vegas totals 231.5. Rockets, uh, James Harden is just really expensive still. 12-8 uh, on Vandal, 11-8 on DK. You know He's always in play for tournaments. He's not someone that I've used all the time now. Um, with Chris Paul back, it's hurt him a little bit. He still has a huge, uh, you know, usage rate. It's a matter of, you know, do you find enough value to fit him in? And you might be able to do it tonight. I think you can. And, um, you know, Harden should still put up a big game. Chris Paul, also the same thing. Uh, 76 on DK, 82 on Fandle. And we've seen the minutes go up. And he's played well. And I don't really see Minnesota slowing him down. So those would be the two guys I look for. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, obviously the price has gone up. Uh, so really not looking at him tonight. For Minnesota, Andrew Wiggins is questionable. He missed last game with an illness. I did see he was at shoot-around today, so I would expect him to play. Um, Derek Rose looks like he'll play. I like Jeff Teague. You know, I almost used Jeff Teague on Monday, and I was worried about the minutes, and I'm one of those regrets. He played 35 minutes that night, and he had a real good game. So I like him tonight. I mean, look, I don't like playing point guards against Paul, but the price on Teague is affordable uh, 58 on DK, 61 on FanDuel. So he's a good play tonight. Uh, Derek Rose did return that game and had 25 minutes. So I think T gets more minutes. Uh, and obviously Rose would get a boost if Wiggins is out. My guess is Wiggins plays, though. So um, I like Dario Saric. You know, I made a last-minute pivot on Monday once I saw that he was in the starting lineup. And they said he's going to start again. And he had two fouls in the first two minutes. 
and he wound up still playing 33 minutes. Now, Carl Anthony Towns was also in foul trouble in that game. He had 5,000. I think Towns played 27 minutes in that game. So that helped, but still, I like Sarich tonight. He's cheap on Yahoo, 46 on DK, 51 on Fandle. And Carl Anthony Towns certainly in play tonight as well. Uh, 10-3 on DK and 10-9 on Fandle. Memphis, they're traveling to Chicago tonight to take on the Bulls. Vegas total 207.5. Bulls favored by 2.5. Kyle Anderson's out. Mike Conley is probable. He missed uh, Monday with an illness. You know, they're obviously tanking here. and They're not going to push him too much. That game was last night where Conley sat. So it looks like he's going to play. Avery Bradley went off last night. Uh, he was like 0.6% owned, and guy who finished first in a Yahoo tournament had Avery Bradley. So he's really cheap, 34 on DK, 36 on FanDuel. Uh, I wouldn't expect that same type of performance again. Jonas Valchunas played yesterday, 21 minutes. He was good. Uh, interested to see if he plays. If he does play, I think you could look at him. He's 42 on DK, 52 on FanDuel. If he's out, Joachim Noah gets a boost, uh, as we have seen uh, recently. So it's a good matchup for them, but a very uh, two bad teams. Chris Dunn is questionable for the Bulls, so that's something to keep an eye on. I do like Zach Levine. He's been balling out lately, 73 on DK, 8 on FanDuel. Uh, out of Porter's in play, he's only 56 on DK. Laurie Markkinen, his price has gone up. Been using him a lot lately, but not the last game or two. But you can look at him in tournaments. I think he uh, he might be low on because of the price tonight. 85 on handle, 81 on DK. So um, that's what you see. When the price goes up, you know that the ownership will be low and marketing is capable of uh, having a huge upside game anytime he takes the court. Miami, they're in Dallas tonight. Uh, the Vegas totals 208. Mavs favored by three. Uh, Dwayne Wade is questionable. Uh, it's just not an appealing game tonight. Uh, Hassan Whiteside has a good matchup, but the minutes are down. I've used him a few times this year in GPPs uh, because usually he's low on. Uh, he's capable of going off. Don't love him tonight, uh, but he does have big upside in this matchup. Dion Waiters, if he's in the starting lineup, once again, he's pretty cheap. 43 on DK, 52 on FanDuel. For Dallas, uh, Luka Doncic obviously has been balling lately, but the price is, is pretty high. 88 on DK, 98 on FanDuel. Really kind of don't see the need to pay it. Um, if you want to save some money, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has been playing you know, 30-plus minutes recently. And he's only 4000 on DK. Uh, doesn't have a huge ceiling, but decent floor, especially if you are trying to fill in a cheap guy for cash games. Sacramento is at Denver, 9 p.m. Eastern. The Nuggets are favored by 7.5. Vegas total is 231. For the Kings, uh, another team that has uh, playing a lot of pieces here. So the one guy that I really like is Marvin Bagley. I mean, he's had some big games lately and uh, even coming off the bench. And uh, he is 59 on DK and 65 on FanDuel. So you can take a look at him. For Denver, Gary Harris is out. Isaiah Thomas will return tonight. And, you know, he probably doesn't play big minutes, but it hurts guys like Monte Morris, who's played great this year, um, Malik Beasley. But we'll still see. we got to see what the minutes are. Um, also want to see who starts a power forward. Mason Plumlee started over uh, Paul Millsap last game. So if Plumlee starts, I think he's in play. 57 on DK, 6 on FanDuel. Of course, Nikola Jokic, anytime he takes the floor, is in play. He's 10-1 on DK, 10-9 on FanDuel. Um, so those are their, some of the things there for the Nuggets. Phoenix, they are in L.A. to take on the Clippers tonight. Uh, 
The Vegas total is 231 and a half. And the Clippers are favored by eight and a half for the Suns. Tyler Johnson is questionable. Uh, and uh, Josh Jackson, I think, is in play tonight. He is 59 on DK, so I like the price there. Seven on Fandle, better price on uh, DK. And uh, DeAndre Ayton uh, has a good matchup here. 67 on DK, 74 on Fandle. And for the Clippers, Lou Williams went off last game. Again, I've always said it. He always has that winning upside in the tournament. Uh, there are times where he does have a low floor, but I, I like him in this spot tonight. 71 on DK, 81 on FanDuel. Montrez Harrell, same thing with him. Uh, he's 69 on DK, 78 on FanDuel. Zubach was a disappointment the other night. Uh, he's only 4 on DK, 4-2 on FanDuel. Uh, probably not going to play him tonight. Golden State, they are in Portland. Uh, the Vegas total Warriors only favored by three. The total is 234.5. DeMarcus Cousins won't play. They'll rest him. Sean Livingston's out. Andre Iguodala is questionable, so obviously that opens it up, uh, making Kevin Durant a good play tonight, Curry a good play. Uh, people might look at Kevon Looney as well um, with uh, no Cousins. For Portland, uh, Damian Lillard certainly in play. He'll get up for this matchup, especially on DK, 8600 That's a nice price. More expensive on Fandle at 10-2. And Yusuf Nurkic, I think you could look at in tournaments. He's 74 on DK, 84 on Fandle. That wraps it up here, but you can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Make sure you come there to get ready to dominate your fantasy baseball draft. Use the promo code RADIO for 70% off your first month. I'll be back Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern with Dr. Roto here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.